0: Welcome to our Thirsty Podcast. This is Michael Zarling. Uh, we're missing Jeremy Leitinen because we are recording today up in Ellison Bay, uh, up in Door County, Wisconsin. I'm at District Mission Board meeting at one of our DMB members' homes. So we call it the Wolf Den. And I'm here with Dan Leirer as our guest.
1: It's good to see you. How are you? A
0: fantastic, <laughs> Dan. All right, so Dan... Uh, a question I ask all of our guests is, how are you related to Jeremy or, or Abby Lightening?
1: Abby Lightening is my niece. And uh, so that makes Jeremy Lightning, Reverend Jeremy Lightening is uh, my nephew-in-law? There you go. I guess, something like that. Um, and of all of my... Nephew-in-laws, Jeremy is in the top 50.
0: Fantastic. And then we were discussing this at breakfast, and you reminded me of this, that you're related to me. How is that?
1: Well, not closely. Not closely at all. <laughs> so that's a good thing. Yes, it Just is. kidding. You know, we like to kid. <laughs> um, so uh, my... Cousin in law, so cousin through marriage, is married to your wife's sister. That's right. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, I passed the test. Yeah, I got so I got ver- that correct. Not
0: very close at all. So uh, Dan is up here. He is our new district uh, district president. Uh, just voted last month at our district convention. And we're at our district mission board meeting so that Dan can learn some of the ministry that we have going on in the southeast Wisconsin district. But before we get to your role as district president, Dan, where have you served in the past?
1: I served in a couple of mission settings. So back in 1989, I was assigned to Emanuel in Salem, Oregon. And uh, then I had uh, a mission setting in southeast Ohio, in Marietta, Ohio, which is right on the Ohio River, and across the river is West Virginia. And so both of those were just beautiful times of sort of valuing the individual soul. And I really learned how to... um, to to preach the gospel and to sort of uh, proclaim Reformation truths in in parts of the world that hadn't really heard of Lutheranism. Um, and so that was that was pretty exciting. And then I
0: before I get to that, I just I want to ask you about those mission fields since I started in a mission field in Radcliffe, Kentucky, and we're up at the Wolf Den talking about mission fields. So what what was ministry like then in those two mission fields versus say uh an established congregation
1: well, first of all um I think you could develop develop deeper relationships with people um, I like to like i knew what I knew what car all of my members drove, you know, like, I I just, I knew them very well. Um, And, and I think that there was that to me, there was an excitement about um, appreciating the Holy Christian Church a little bit more, uh, because when there's no Wells Church for two, three hours, um, if if you're going to go at that thinking, the only Christians in the world are Wells Lutherans. I mean, you're just going to drive yourself crazy, and plus, you you sort of uh, would have that uh, Elijah mindset, you know, of of you know, there's nobody left. So I I really started to appreciate the Holy Christian Church. Uh, more so than any other time, I think, in my ministry. And uh, so, yeah, that's what, what what I recall from those kind of remote contexts.
0: Right, right. And then you spent time at the seminary, correct?
1: Yeah, then I did 18 years at the seminary as a professor of New Testament, pastoral theology, ended up being the vice president Um. And that was a glorious time and uh, really uh, got to study things deeply. And, and, uh, and I also ended up getting to know lots of future pastors. And uh, that has helped me in my, my current position.
0: So then, again, talking about mission fields, How is the seminary training these young men to be, not just pastors, but training guys to be these missionaries, these home and world missionaries? Because that's a, like we said, that's a little bit different kind of ministry than an established congregation.
1: I think the best training is by making them practical theologians and to make them men who have fallen in love with the gospel of Jesus Christ and and, and, and just breathe it in everything that they do. So that Lutheran prism of um, it all comes about through the gospel um, and the means of grace are this is the way God works in the world and trusting that. And so therefore, you're you're you you really have to become a gospel expert. Um, don't think of yourself as an outreach expert or an in reach expert, but think of yourself as a gospel expert, and the Lord will bless your ministry.
0: Something that came to mind as you were talking about that, Dan, and I just I never had this question before is. Do you, when you're working with the district presidents on placing men into the call and the call date, do you guys talk about like the wives and going on mission fields? Because uh, I know how important a wife is in a whole mission setting, especially you're going to be out there and you may only have a handful of people as a core group. And it's not just that man, it's a team oftentimes. So do you, do you ever evaluate the, you know, bringing that wife along in that setting?
1: Well, I can't really speak from having been involved in an assignment meeting because I haven't done that yet. Okay. But I can say that in, in my time at the seminary, um, when characterizations were written about the, the students, and uh, that that information was shared with the conference of presidents which is the assignment committee uh there was information on the wife um and that was that's very important stuff as far as uh, where somebody would be assigned so i would say in in my 18 years at the seminary uh it would became very apparent to me that uh it was very much a team ministry approach, especially with um uh, with missionaries, yeah right. so then you left the
0: seminary and took a call back into the parish. So where are you serving now?
1: I currently serve at uh St Marcus in Milwaukee, so we're just a little bit north of downtown um and it's a it's a busy vibrant ministry we have a school that utilizes the uh, parental choice program in Wisconsin and Milwaukee and and we have three campuses and over a 1000 students amazing um and so my my position before I got elected district president I really gave most of my time to school ministry um, especially supporting a very large faculty and staff so we have at St. Marcus there's upwards of 150 people who work for us you know who uh, and and so I thought of them As my congregation Um, And I wanted To make sure that they were Feeling supported and growing Spiritually because The teachers In our classrooms Are the front line Missionaries when you're talking About uh, urban ministry
0: And it's interesting As you're talking about that too You know a lot of people Know about St. Marcus And I don't know if it's so much they know about St. Marcus the Church. They know about St. Marcus the School because it is it is a bright example of gospel ministry in our church body. Uh, so two things is, what do you see as as like an interesting, exhilarating of ministry at St. Marcus School, but also what are the... Unique challenges you have in a school like St. Marcus, Inner City, Milwaukee.
1: What there's lots of exhilarating things. Um, I know that uh, the th- so I left Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary where I'm teaching you know postgraduate students uh, the deep profundities of Christian truth and and then i thought and now i'm going to be doing chapel services for kindergartners and first graders and you know what i loved it um it was one it's been one of the highlights of my ministry is to proclaim the gospel those same deep truths but just put them in children's clothing you might say and to to proclaim them to So you got three hundred and fifty young students that are filling your sanctuary, and they're just hanging on your every word. That's exhilarating. Mm -hmm. Um, Another exhilarating thing for me is the is supporting the teachers because when you're as big as we are, you you're going to be getting teachers from places different from the norm maybe with a with a well school and so and and i really looked at that as an opportunity to be kind of a a one man mash unit of a of a worker training institution and to help them develop into the best lutheran teachers that they could be and um and that was very rewarding to me to see them grow in their understanding and i'll use that phrase lutheran prism again you know where they're seeing the scriptures from a law gospel perspective and uh, that's not necessarily something they had in their training to be a teacher
0: sure yeah and we were talking about ministry to those children i was recently asked to write some children's devotions for our lutheran parish schools and uh you know i've been doing children's devotions for 25 plus years in the ministry on sunday mornings our chapel devotions and it is interesting to take to try and take a message that you're preaching to teens and adults and a for me a 16-minute sermon but then to condense it down and put it in a child's language in a four or five minute devotion. And uh, like the other day I wrote one of the devotions and I was uh, telling my youngest daughter about it. I was prouder of that five minute devotion than the, than the sermon I was writing because it's just trying to uh, bring it down to a child's level. Uh, the last question then about ministry is what is, what is the ministry going to be like? Because you've only been doing this for a month What is the work of a district president for our listeners?
1: Well, like there's an official phrase that you supervise doctrine and practice in your district. Now, to me, that means that you sort of set the tone as far as proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ and preserving the gospel of Jesus Christ and you got to do both um, in a district and so I look at it as uh, you know the the Lord brought me along I think through the seminary and through Saint Marcus to be somebody who is thinking about how can I support called workers how can I support? People who are bringing the word to others, and that's what I'm trying to do as a district president. Um, and I do have I uh, I have on my heart every day the 140 plus congregations in our in our district um, because there are any number of them that don't have pastors right now, or they have teaching vacancies in their schools and. That's something that I have to take the lead in as far as helping them get a pastor or a teacher. So um, that's it, it. There's a there's a lot to do. There's many things that I I mean I, I don't even know everything that I that I have to do. But I find that it is another way to serve, and um, and I also think that. The Lord teaches you in His school of experience certain things over the years that can help you do something like this. Uh,
0: So, here we are at the Wolf Den, and this is an annual meeting that we have up here, uh, up in Dora County. And uh, you know, we have long meetings. So, yesterday, uh, on Thursday, we started at three o'clock and went to after five and then today, 8 till 5, and then tomorrow morning again. But uh, but part of that, Dan, is you know the meal last night. Dan was able to come up for the meal, which was, uh, I think, inch-and-a-half-thick th- steaks and uh, bar- uh, grilled, and then shrimp. We had a, f- a handful of vegetables.
1: It was, yeah, it was a, a meat-lover's paradise, and it was delicious, and I'm very thankful for it. And uh, that was uh, nothing, nothing sits in your stomach like a good steak. Yeah.
0: And then, and then you guys all went to bed early at 1030 because four of us stayed up till 230 playing spades uh, and then get up to do ministry the next, next day. But part of this is that camaraderie. And then with that, so how do you see your role as district president in working with us as a, as a district mission board?
1: I look at it as um, I, I really want to remove obstacles from your way so that you can do your work in supporting missionaries and mission churches. So um, I want to be in tune with what the District Mission Board is thinking as far as their philosophy of starting churches and also um, enhancing ministries. I I just want to be in tune with what you're doing. Um, And then uh, there's, there's going to be times when I can help as far as providing... Uh, call lists and things like that. Um, So I believe that every district, including ours, which is the biggest district, we have to view ourselves as a mission district. We have to view ourselves as constantly looking for new places to go in order to put the gospel on as many hearts as possible.
0: Right, and so... What Dan and I are going to do in a little bit is we're going to look at the gospel lesson that we're going to be having at Water of Life this Sunday, and I've had two questions based on that. But And then afterwards, we'll let Dan go, and then we're going to be interviewing uh, some of our district mission board laymen. Uh, but what we're spending our time today at our meetings is uh, enhancements. Uh, Dan used that word that Uh, We understand that in our district, because there are so many of our churches so close together, especially in southeast Wisconsin, not so much maybe in Indiana and and southern Illinois and Kentucky, we're probably not going to have a lot of new starts. So we're talking about enhancing ministries. So we've been spending the day talking about how can we partner with Growing and thriving congregations to maybe call a staff minister or a pastor to do uh, new outreach and start a a new mission field uh, or to harvest uh, all the people the Holy Spirit's bringing into the church, maybe having a school chaplain or a school pastor at a school choice school. We're looking at maybe if uh, congregations aren't doing so well and yet we talked about a beachhead. We don't want to lose that beachhead. And uh, maybe the congregation needs to restart, get a new pastor in there. Or also talked about merging congregations and becoming multi-site. And all of these different facets of uh, enhancements, uh, like you said, just trying to work with every congregation to have that mission mindset. So the gospel lesson we're going to look at is from Luke 10, beginning with verse 38. Uh, It's the story of Jesus at the home of Mary and Martha. Luke writes, As they went on their way, Jesus came into a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary, who was sitting at the Lord's feet and was listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all her serving." She came over and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. The Lord answered and told her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but one thing is needed. In fact, Mary has chosen that better part, which will not be taken away from her. So, Dan, what can be wrong or sinful when we, in application, can become like Martha?
1: Yeah, I'm always I always wonder about how Jesus said her name, like you just read it, Martha, Martha. That's usually how we say it, and I wonder sometimes if it isn't a little bit more comforting or compassionate. Um, like I really appreciate what you're doing, but you're. You're not focusing on the most important thing right now.
0: So I wonder maybe if there
1: was sadness in his voice? Or um, understanding. Mm -hmm. Um, so how can we, clearly we can get, we, we can get involved in like this attitude of busyness around the church, um, there's plenty of things to do in association with the church but if they um if they're not going to be touching on the sharing of the word of god then they really they are not they're they're not in that one thing needful position obviously so i i guess maybe i mean i think americans are pretty good at making themselves busy and, and also, like, sort of focusing on how busy they are and thinking that thus they are accomplishing something. And um, what we need to do with with the Word of God is to let, you know, let Jesus get busy with us um, through, by, by just sitting at his feet. So I guess now I'm talking about Mary.
0: Yeah, and... So the way I think of it, too, is when you've got people that are involved in their gospel ministry and their church, and they're helping, say, with a Lenten supper, and then they put on the Lenten supper, and then while everyone goes upstairs for worship, goes into the sanctuary, they're downstairs cleaning up after the meal, very much like Martha. Or I've seen this where the ushers uh, take the offering, so they're serving, and then they go and they start counting the money while we're doing the prayer of the church or something like that, and they're missing out on the rest of that worship service. That we And I think pastors, too, that as pastors, uh, we can become very involved in doing gospel ministry, and you're in the Word, but you're in the Word preparing it for a sermon for someone else. You're reading in devotion, and maybe even for yourself, but you're thinking about application use with someone else and i think we can become very martha like but when can it be right or sanctified to be like martha
1: any service for jesus is is sanctified you know and when it's done from a heart of love and and a heart of faith any service for jesus is something that is god-pleasing and i don't think that's uh, Jesus's point at all when he you know quote unquote calls her out. Um, I'm sure that he was very pleased with her service, but he did want to prioritize it um, so uh, so it is a it's an incredible blessing to have a Martha mindset of looking to serve Jesus not not only in what we do with our words and with our Bible study, but with our, our acts of compassion, love, support for others.
0: Yeah, and that's the key. Like you said, you have the primary of being in God's Word, secondary is service, because Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve, uh, to serve us with the means of grace. And so we want to be that Martha, but... There's got to be that balance And I think of parents Like you said They're they're so busy They pack everything into the day And they're fulfilling their vocation as parents But when they're not sitting down for a family devotion Maybe singing a hymn Not even praying together uh, They're so busy with their kids being active on Sunday mornings They're not bringing them to church Because they're going to a soccer tournament We had a phone call yesterday from one of our members and asking about going camping with us next weekend at a church campground, but we're making sure there's a worship service involved with the three days of camping because you want to be Martha and have fun and serve, but also be Mary, which you are going to look at now of being in the Word. So I know Jesus doesn't call Mary out in this, but when can it be wrong for us to be like Mary that we're just only always in the Word? I mean, that sounds like a a, a weird question.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's the old expression that you can be so heavenly minded that you're of no earthly good. Um, and I suppose that, that can be an issue. Um, um, so... Would it be a problem if we were so mary like to the degree that we never really cared about anybody else's physical needs, or we didn't think that they um, rose to the level of uh, f- of us caring? Something that you know, actually, Saint Marcus has taught me a lot about this. Um, I I used to be. Uh, a great commission guy, but not a lot about the great commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. Um, now I try to balance those a lot more. And and if if I think that just showing my neighbor love through an act of kindness or service is somehow like not something that Jesus wants or not why Jesus put me here. I think then I'm too much, then, then I'm uh hyper Mary, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't think that would, uh, that's not, uh, I don't know if that's a, a, a true godly mindset. Sure.
0: And I guess I was thinking too of, you know, the monks, the nuns, now just go and be in the monastery, the nunnery, uh, the pastor being in the office, being in God's word, but then not being with his people. Or the people that they're just being involved in the ministry work at church, which is fantastic, but they're missing out on the vocation of being a good employee, a good parent, a good child, and so forth. So then the last one is when can it be right and sanctified for us to be like Mary?
1: especially when we're feeling pressed like like I've got so many things to do that I can't possibly afford to be in the word right now or to be in prayer or to be reflective on God's grace in my life you know it's like the i i the maybe the lesson of Mary is the busier we get the more reflective we need to be on God's grace in our life. And that comes through being in the word. Um, And the greatest service that you can provide Jesus is to be served by him.
0: Right. Yeah. And that was a thing I gave to our uh, members of the district mission board in my devotion. yesterday I was on the story of Mary and Martha and it was encouraging them is because I said, I mar- can be very Martha-like. I'm a doer. But we need to be in God's word. And they need to be in God's word. And I encourage them as shepherds. And the shepherd, and we'll talk to the, uh, the DMB members in a little bit about their roles as shepherds. But the shepherd is assigned to a missionary and just encouraging that missionary. Uh, I've, been, I've been told I have to be the hard guy. If they're not getting the reports in and so forth or telling them that they didn't get funding for this, that's my role. The shepherd, he's the good guy and that he's always encouraging. But my encouragement to the encouragers was make sure they're in, in the word. Yeah, They're not going to be a great parent or a great husband uh, or maybe godly would be better. Uh, they're not going to be fantastic when they're doing shut-in visits or outreach visits or preparing their sermons unless they're merry and in the word
1: yeah you can't keep pouring out um, unless you're filling that cup and and the cup is filled through your time in the gospel and it'll never be a waste of time
0: yeah anything else you want to bring up that we missed in mary and martha
1: No, I I think you covered it. I think you uh, you know you covered every every possible angle <laughs> yeah. of the Mary Martha account. All right. Well,
0: well, thanks, Dan. We're gonna uh, pause it here and but keep listening because we're gonna get our mission board meet, uh, members over in a minute.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right, thanks, Dan. All right, we are back and we have three of our district mission board members with us or three of our laymen. On the mission board, so we have Mike Nichols. You want to say hi, Mike? Hi, Mike. (laughs) And and also Steve Mueller.
2: Hello there.
0: And Steve Wolf. Michael, how are you? So, uh, Mike Nichols, first of all, uh, what is your real job? What is your vocation in life?
3: Uh, Currently, I am an IT senior manager for uh, Quad Graphics, based out of Sussex, Wisconsin. So what does that mean? What do you do there? I manage our IT department, The mostly a lot of the stuff that the end users, computers, printers, uh, my team supports all of that. They support um, Office 365 and software applications that are in the cloud. And then I've got another team that supports all of the... Images of how we set up all the
0: computers and standards and all of that So then one of the things that you do for the mission board is you're a shepherd You know if you want to explain to our listeners What your shepherding role is for the pastor and where he's serving
3: So currently I am a shepherd for St. John's on the hillside they're a, It's a little bit unique there because
0: they're not a funded congregation Okay, so what we refer to as an unsubsidized mission, meaning they're not receiving, like Mike said, any funding from the mission. They're a long-established congregation. Do you remember how old they are? It's you know well over, Steve?
2: Yeah, they were one of the three founding congregations of Wisconsin Senate, so they date back to the
3: mid-1850s.
0: Yeah, so it is a big, gorgeous, old church near... Uh, Fiser Forum, Fiserv right down Forum. on uh,
3: downtown Milwaukee. Yeah,
0: there. and uh, it seats 1,200 people.
3: Uh, yeah, very large, iconic church. Old, obviously, and in, in need of
0: some repair. But Yeah, and so it, uh, they came as a congregation and an unsubsidized mission. That means, like I said, we're not funding them from the mission board, but as an unsubsidized mission, they're able to come and get – access to us as a mission board, have have access to some special grants and so forth, have access to you, Mike, as a shepherd. So if you want to talk about who you're shepherding and what that ministry is like there at St. John's on the hillside.
3: Yeah, so Pastor
0: Isaac Hayes is uh, currently
3: the pastor there. He got called out last year, a fresh call right out of the SEM, um, to work the mission field down there. So working with Isaac and making sure that uh he has funds available to him for example they just did a dance camp down there so they needed some funds to get that up and running uh we were able to help provide some of the some of the monies to get that going uh ended up being a pretty successful camp some of the parents had really good feedback from you know didn't even know their kids liked dance to uh kids coming home and talking about jesus which is you know one of the most important things
0: so with that mission field there, because it is a very depressed area, so then why would the mission field or the, the mission board, the board for all missions, see that that is a ripe mission field?
3: Well, a couple of key things with St. John's is, one, it's a very iconic building and location right downtown Milwaukee. Um, the environment is really going to be changing Um, over the next few years so there's plans here where uh, they're going to be taking the low-income housing that's all around the the existing property of the church they're going to tear it all down and they're going to be building high-rises with mixed environments so it's going to be your standard high-rise apartment buildings mixed in with some of the low-income families so they're going to be intermingling them and it's going to bring a new mission field to that church that we're hopefully going to be able to tap into yeah, and
0: Lord willing, uh, like we were talking about in our mission board meeting today, that maybe in a year or two that they would come to the uh, district mission board who would then bring a request to the board for all missions for some kind of funding, maybe as a restart or so forth. Do you have anything to add to this uh, to the mission field at no, St. No, John's? No,
2: it's just it's a classic, as you say, iconic Gothic structure. It is absolutely huge inside. It's, it's, it's hard for people to imagine it. Our, our district president at our meeting today said he could put his church, St. Marcus, inside of this church, and it would fit.
0: And, and so it seats 1,200, and the congregation size right now is like 20.
2: Right, right.
0: Uh, but one of the things that we talk about as a mission board is a beachhead, you know, talking in military terms that you know, we've gained this, this area uh, for the Lord and his kingdom— and we don't want to give it back, and so we're going to work really hard with whatever we need to do if it's a restart of a congregation, if it's an unsubsidized mission, uh, to be able to uh, keep a mission field there. There are going to be times that we do close churches, and you know we're saddened by that, and yet, uh, and I think as listeners, we understand that sometimes that's the Lord's will. To, to close a church and then use those monies and that manpower elsewhere. Steve Mueller, if you want to talk about uh, what your role of shepherd is uh, down in uh, Lafayette.
4: Yeah, hi. I'm Steve Mueller. I've been on the mission board for uh, about eight years now, and uh, I've been blessed enough to... Uh, have a congregation like Lamb of God down in West Lafayette, Indiana, uh, to be a shepherd for. Um, They are near the Big Ten uh, College of Purdue University, Um, so they've got a wide variety of ministry uh, styles that they're attempting to uh, uh, go through down there, along with uh, campus ministry, um, mornings for mommies type program. Um, they do a summer, uh, music and art camp. Um, and they're working with a Jesus cares ministry also.
0: So, and what is Jesus cares?
4: Jesus cares ministry is, uh, is a program that was put out by the wells, uh, where congregations could, uh, reach out with a, a worship style to, uh, Handicapped or disabled individuals um, no matter what the age um, the goal really at the start of uh, the building of that program was to try and draw uh, ha- uh, Have this worship uh, a certain amount usually once a month once every couple weeks and invite uh, people from uh, that community into uh, the mission church building and uh and then have a very short um, worship service that shares the message of Jesus and uh, and salvation through through Him.
0: And uh, and one of the things you talked about today was that since people aren't necessarily coming for Jesus cares at the church, uh, that Pastor Horn is looking to take that service to the facility. Right? That's correct. Yes, they have two uh, two non for profit
4: Uh, organizations that work in that that uh, arena and they both are very interested in um, having their their people involved with uh, a ministry like this they have a problem with transportation though and finding people that can uh, and are willing to transport uh, these individuals uh, in a safe manner to uh, our facility and uh, so uh, Paul is Paul Horn, who is the missionary there, has decided to try and uh, morph things and and still reach out to them. So they're giving thoughts to possibly uh, taking that ministry, that worship uh, service, to their location and bring it to them, rather than them coming to uh, to Lamb of God's facility. And you mentioned mornings with mommy. So what is that? That's a a program where young mothers uh, with very young kids can bring their children to that program. Uh, They can network with other mothers in their community there that are uh, coming to that um, with their children. Like I say, they're young infants and learning a lot of the parenting styles and parenting skills that might come along with with raising a
0: child in today's uh, day and age. So you're talking about the... Kind of unique ministry of a missionary there with Paul Horn in West Lafayette. And you talked about mornings with mommies and Jesus Cares. Obviously, he's going to have what a normal established church would have of Bible studies and adult confirmation classes and youth confirmation classes, worship services. But also, you have the campus ministry there. So if you want to talk about what his campus ministry does
4: well uh he's got a nice campus ministry with uh, uh young adults that are there at the college which which college that's purdue university it's big ten college uh we have i'm from uh north suburban Chicago and we have uh two of our uh uh, members of our congregation that are, are down there and are members of Lamb of God and take part. They're going to school down there. One's in grad school and the other is undergrad. But they are uh, members of, of that congregation and take part in that campus ministry and that y- the youth uh, uh, um, gatherings that they get
0: together uh, and, and, sh- and share and do together. So then, Steve, what is your role? Because obviously, you know a lot and care a lot about that ministry that Paul has there and the congregation there. But so, what is your role as the shepherd?
4: Well, first and foremost, uh, this is one of the places that I know that uh, God has blessed me with is to encourage and support uh, our missionary down there. Now, does that mean just our missionary? No. When a missionary uh, goes to uh, a field, goes to a a church there, he he not only is there serving by himself with the many... Uh, many challenges that he faces um, being a pastor, but guess what? He's got a wife uh, that is also there to support him, and he brings his family, too, and, her, and his kids. So uh, as, a, as a shepherd, our, our goal, my goal is to, uh, is to try and, and support him, try to support his family uh, in ways that I, uh, that I can, uh, checking in with him regularly, um, and uh, trying to uh, have dialogue with him. And um, and I think, too, a, a, a missionary, a pastor, can talk to a shepherd um, about things that he might not be able to talk go and talk to his his members about so it gives him somebody a listening board uh, that he can can share uh, some of the things and challenges that he might be uh, uh, going through and uh, and most of all too is not only uh, to physically support uh, this family but also uh, to support them uh, spiritually with with uh, my prayers and that's one of the things that we're taught on the mission board is that they uh, to pray for for our missions. And uh, especially as a shepherd, that's one of our uh, responsibilities is to remember uh, this mission
0: uh, in our in our prayer. All right. Very good. Thanks. And Steve Wolf, uh, you're you have a unique role that you're also a shepherd. But here I want you to talk about your role as on the executive committee of the board for missions, so talk talk to people what the board for missions is, and then kind of explain what your role is with the executive committee. Yeah, sure. And before I do that, I
2: just want to say to your listeners who probably
0: got it, Steve
2: is the best shepherd on our district district mission board by far. He's he's our rock star. He's kind of our uh, poster boy for how things should be done. So he's got a real passion for that. So the board for missions is basically. <clears throat> made up of a, a lay rep and a pastoral rep from each of our 14 districts within the, the uh, Wisconsin Synod. And they are the ultimate governing body of the Board for Home Missions. And out of that, they, they appoint, uh, elect, I should say, an executive committee made up of uh, two pastors, two laymen, the Board for Home Missions chairman, and then also sitting on that is the board, what we call the Board for Home Missions Administration. And that would be the administrator, which is currently vacant, and the senior director of mission operations, which happens to be Mr. Sean Young.
0: One of the questions that was brought up today during our meeting was, you know, what is the role of the Board for Home Missions? Is it just, is it just to share the gospel out in, into the harvest field?
2: Well, the the, the the charter, if you will, for home missions is to be the mission planting or mission starting, mission church starting entity of the wells. Now, certainly we get into other things. Uh, as um, Michael talked about an unsubsidized mission. Okay, it's already been there. It's been there since the 1850s, but we still have a relationship with them. We also do enhancements, which are with existing congregations to, that want to enhance, if you will, or improve an existing ministry that they just can't, don't have the funds to do at the moment.
0: Okay. Yeah. One of the things we talked about was to uh, share the gospel uh, to the lost, you know, but and then connect the lost to the means of grace ministry of a congregation. And so there's lots of opportunities to share the gospel, and we want people and pastors and congregations to do that. But what we're talking about is as a board for omissions and then the district mission board as an extension for the BHM is to connect these lost to our churches again.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, that's the focus. It's about, uh, you know, getting more souls as part of the kingdom and, and, and a a method of doing that is through the means of grace that we all believe is highly important and effectual.
0: Yeah. So the means of grace of gospel and word and sacraments of, God's Word, Baptism, and the Lord's Supper. So, so we, let's say that we as a Southeast Wisconsin District Mission Board are bringing in a request. Uh, one of the requests that we, Lord willing, will bring in uh, next spring would be to start a church in, uh, what would it be, S- East? no, what is it, uh, western Indiana, okay, And so we bring that in. What is your role of the Board for Omissions to look at that request from us as well as the other 13 districts?
2: Yeah, the the Executives Committee primary uh, purpose is to review what we'll call requests. Now, that that request can be in the form of a new start, enhancement, a restart, an unsubsidized mission, while also we, we review the annual or Biannual mission support agreements, or what's called MPSAs. So what what we do is is we'll get all these requests in in the spring, and and they each will be uh, a group will be divvied up among the executive committee members. They will review them, and then we will collectively get together over a two day meeting and um, rank them, and uh, based on their their merits and and what we humanly speaking. Think has the best opportunity for for success. Uh, they they can either be approved and then ranked for funding. You can, if you, you you don't necessarily on an annual basis have funds to to fund all that might be approved, or they could be deferred. You know that that request is just not quite ready, or you know it needs a little more work. It's 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 a little early, a little premature or there are some and, and there aren't many that just come through and it, it just doesn't fit what the, what the BHM does, and on, upon occasion we deny those. And
0: the reason you probably don't have a lot that you deny is because we as district mission boards have done our due diligence that we're not bringing this to the board for omissions because this isn't ready yet.
2: Right. Oh, that's absolutely true. I, I've been on the uh, BHM since 2014, and I've noticed a significant Im- improvement in our DMBS that they're 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 really getting it and, and being critical, not not in a negative way, but they they look at their requests through a, a, a more critical eye and and try to see that is this a fit or not, and just not throw anything against the wall and hoping it might stick.
0: So I'm going to one more question for you guys, but I'll let you guys think about this. Whoever wants to answer is to talk about the Synod's uh, goal of 100 new starts and 75 enhancements in the next 10 years. Uh, but as you're thinking about that, just to talk to our listeners, I know we're kind of getting into the weeds with some of this ministry stuff, and it may seem like a lot of minutiae, but to understand that these three men, plus we have three pastors on our Southeast Wisconsin District Mission Board and a and a principal, uh so that there's a lot of work, you know, that, uh, these are all volunteers. None of us get paid except for uh, that. We get to come up here and enjoy Steve's place, the wolf den and, uh, the steaks and the shrimp and in the fellowship and everything else. And the beer. Oh yeah. And, and the beer. <laughs> and tonight we just went out for uh fish fry, you know, it's just, so there is fun in fellowship. We'll play some more spades tonight. Right. Uh, but to understand that, these, that us as a mission board, it's all volunteer. We all have a heart and a passion for ministry, and hopefully uh, listeners picked up on that as listening to you guys talk about the passion for ministry. That's not your ministry, but it's your ministry of helping other congregations to do this kind of work. And without a mission board, without a board for all missions, we're not going to be starting new churches. So, if you guys want to talk about the seventy-five enhancements and one hundred new starts, you could say that's a big audacious goal,
2: and you might be right. But I, I think God wants us to think big. Uh, you know, mission work is important. It's it it is in the the definition of the Great Commission, and uh, yeah, it's 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 a big goal. Just for perspective for your listeners on over the last 10 years we had 64 new starts i i'm lo- i don't remember off the top of my head how many enhancements so we're, it's it's not like this is just 100 more than we've done historically that you could say we're we're going to try to double our efforts over the
0: last 10 years so someone had said i don't remember the number is it like each uh each of the 14 districts needs to bring in what two or three requests every year and that are funded for a new start well you'd have to have on average average 10
2: approved requests and funded requests each year out of the 14 districts
0: you know so to add, Mike?
3: yeah just uh, one of the things that um you know we get when we start talking when we start talking about the 10 and 100 and then all of the enhancements as well is, is where are we getting all these pastors from Right. As everybody knows, we're short pastors. Congregations are calling and calling and calling. But I think that's a challenge to our board, you know, as as a district mission board is to think of and look outside the box. Is it always have to be a pastor if we're doing enhancements? Maybe it's it's hiring somebody to come in and offload work that the pastor is currently doing that maybe not ministry, directly ministry-related, that somebody else
0: could do. And this would be for listeners, if you have a heart for ministry, or uh, it doesn't even have to be evangelism, like Mike said, to free up your pastor to help lead the congregation in doing outreach. Uh, one of the things that I talk to with our schools and encouraging them to look at A school pastor or a school chaplain is, like you said, Mike, does it have to be a pastor? Uh, Can it be a staff minister? But we're short on staff ministers too, Uh, even male staff ministers. Could it be a female staff minister, Uh, a lady? Since a lot of women, the moms are the ones who are overseeing the education of their children. Could a female staff minister or just a woman that has a heart for ministry be able to talk to those moms better than a pastor or a male staff minister. And so the idea is if you as a listener have a congregation that you belong to that is a healthy, thriving congregation, and you see an opportunity for a new mission in your church nearby or whatever, you can talk to us, talk to your district mission board, uh, wherever you are, talk to your pastor, and uh, reach out and... Try and plan to do some kind of enhancement. Uh, the that's how these things work. Uh, where I started in Kentucky, that was uh, lay people gathering other lay people together, and they were doing that for you know, up to seven years before they ever were able to come to the district mission board and to the board for missions for funding. And then I was their first pastor. Do you guys have anything else you want to add?
2: Um, no, I, I think the three of us really love it, that this is this is fun for us. And uh, we appreciate, you know, the listeners' prayers. As, as you say, it is a lot of work. It might sound easy on a podcast, but it's it's a lot of work trying to what we could call birthing a new mission. And then that's just the first step. Then there's a lot of stuff to go through as they grow and the challenges they might have and et cetera.
3: So, how long does an average new mission take to start and be a mission? I th- it varies. Sometimes they can happen
2: quickly. That's not the normal, but normally it will take three, four, maybe five years to kind of just from a, a, a mission board identifying a field to ultimately bringing a, a request and, and, in. Yeah,
3: and so even once they be once they become a certified request, we have a new mission starting from the time they start to the time funding ends on the goal used to be 8
2: years and and we found that that is just not realistic for all of them some some have gotten that way we we've had one in our district you know amazing love in frankfurt uh got off early and and it was god god be praised for that but typically now we're estimating about 12 years and and well over a million dollars correct yes typically on on average one 1.2 and and uh, I would think that's only going up in today's And, and our
3: responsibility is throughout that whole 12 years with a yes. shepherd assigned to that congregation and working with them. Right. Absolutely. And
0: then, and, and, but that's one of the things that we talk about then with, uh, you know, the new missions is it's over a million dollars over 10 to 12 years, whereas we're also encouraging congregations to look at the enhancements, which would be typically a three-year and it's usually around 150 to $180,000. And so uh, to just uh, maybe a congregation sees that mission field, they need something to get over the, the hill, and then we're able to give them a shot in the arm and then uh, go on. And they're able to, uh, Lord willing, see that mission field, grab that mission field, and now we can use that funding to start another enhancement somewhere else. Well, I, I appreciate your guys' passion for ministry and the mission field, everything you're able to do alongside of me with this uh, district mission board as your chairman. I uh, think our listeners, like Steve said, keep praying for the uh, board for Omissions missions and our district mission boards. Keep supporting this with your congregational mission offerings, your, your CMO, to help start new missions and do new enhancements and get involved in your ministry and your congregation uh, so this is pastor michael zarling with uh, dan Lyer, our district mission board or our district president as well as mike and steve and steve uh, stay thirsty my friends then drink deeply from the water of life